It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The big game is set. Make your winning move today and bet at my bookie. Use promo code Gators and claim your deposit match redeemable up to a thousand dollars. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Gators breakdown because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Alright, man, what's going on? What's up, Dave? I actually have a voice today. Much better, much better than it was the last couple of days. Glad you're feeling better, Dave. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too bad, but man, the allergies were getting to me a bit, and then it just kind of, kind of ruined the vocal cords a little bit. So. We ain't even got to the worst part yet. <laughs> hey, the pollen was <laughs> the pollen was really really bad here in in North Florida, uh, mid last week, late last week. So we got some rain on Sunday, and uh, absolutely needed it just to get all that stuff away. Yeah, I hear you. I get I get horrible sinus headaches all the time when when this pollen comes through. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Speaking of headaches, hey, we got plenty to get into uh, right here, and uh, all the off-season talk is probably going to be a little bit of a headache for the Gators. We'll get into hey, Gators not getting much love, and and probably rightfully so. You no, know, it, it is a lot of show me, prove me. You know at the angle for Florida going into the twenty twenty four season, uh, but we'll get it all right here and. Most of it's not going to be a good look at at, at Florida. Kind of looking at where second you know, coming off of Billy Napier's second year, where he ranks among other coaches as far as a rating goes. Uh, ESPN, of course, lists him on a hot seat. Did get some favorable news for the Gators and uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus returning production. The Gators pretty high in the SEC. Uh, we'll kind of I'll go and kind of compare that to last year as well. It's kind of funky. It's starting to get normalized a bit coming out of COVID the, in the COVID years and getting out of that time where you don't have a lot of these fifth year, sixth year, seven year guys on your roster. Uh, so it's starting to normalize a bit. So uh, it, it, he kind of Lee brought that up as well, but uh, plenty to get into, uh, of course. But uh, the early looks for Florida, not surprisingly, uh, are, are not too good. But we, we, got, we got plenty of angles uh, to, to get into that. We'll also. Uh, get your guys' feedback on what you thought of the Trey on Web uh, interview. Starting to get some more interviews throughout uh, the the preseason here with Florida Victorious. Um, starting to send them our way, so some more should be coming uh, pretty soon. I got sent a list and uh, made my selections of, of who I'd like to see uh, on Gators breakdowns. So I should be having plenty more player interviews. Uh, coming up, but it's been a while since I've got to do a channel. I'm going to make this one available for everybody. Give uh, everybody a taste of what we do here on Gators Breakdown Plus. So like, subscribe if you're watching, if you're listening, leave a comment. But uh, plenty to get into, and everybody thanks for hopping in right here on Gators Breakdown Plus. As I said, it's been a little bit since we've gotten together. Um, off the, the, the beginning of the year, I kind of mentioned it here, but man, I've just I've been under the weather a good bit to start 2024. So uh, maybe that's not a harbinger of things to come. Well, the way the weather's been changing, it's been it's been hard. Yeah, yeah, you're not the only one. Good deal. Good, <laughs> good deal. Good deal. Um, 
So I'll steer the conversation, and we'll start with... I've been saving some of this, because this is a conversation I, do, I really did want to get in a little back and forth with, uh, with Gator Nation right here on Gators Breakdown Plus. And guys, CBS Sports did put out their college football second-year coach grades. Uh, so Billy Napier, of course, after two years, uh, he's in that group with Kalen DeBoer and Mike Elko and uh, other... You know, Brian Kelly at LSU and... You know, CBS Sports put out their grades through the first two years uh, of those coaches. And Billy Napier has been given a D, an 11 and 14 record through two years. Uh, I'm not sure there's a coach at the Power Five level on a hotter seat than Napier. After an uninspiring six and seven record in 2022, the Gators were less inspiring in 2023 amid a five and seven campaign. What had been a great recruiting class fizzled as signing day approached and the losses mounted. The Gators head into 2024 with one of the toughest schedules in the country and not a lot of confidence in their coach, giving Billy Napier a grade of a D. Now, the summary, the analysis there, pretty spot on. Uh, nothing there has been said that's embellishing the truth. It's, it, it's exactly what's happened. They give a complete record what happened on the field with the recruiting class. I mean, the D, the, the great D pretty much fits. Now, oh, if, if anybody can go uh, another way with that, uh, if you'd give him higher, or I'm probably I'm probably sure some out there would give an F because of where um, you know the the eleven wins isn't good enough. But I'd say um, a D is probably pretty fair. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'd say. I'd say D. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to agree that I don't really know. There's not really much to argue with or argue with him for at this point. You definitely can't. I mean, yeah, I guess you could, but there's not much to, uh, uh, to for his side to to improve that grade. I mean, I, I don't see there. There's not a whole lot of argument to say he's better than a D. I think that's the that, that's the conversation. If you if you went one way or the other, I think you yeah. find a lot more people who would go the F route than you would the C route, uh, and probably rightfully so. Yeah, I mean D minus maybe. You know, maybe not a full F. I mean. But it definitely hasn't been pretty. So. Um, with that, they do have plus and minus grades for some of these other guys. So Mike Elko was given an A with a 16-9 record at Duke his first two years. Brian Kelly at LSU given a B plus with a 20-7 and overall record. Uh, Mario Cristobal, there you go. That, that's the one I think we're looking at here. He is given a D plus, so he's in that D range as well uh, with a 12-13 and overall record. Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame, 19 and 8, a B record. Britt Venables at Oklahoma, 16 and 10 overall with a C plus record, uh, a grade. Dan Lanning, 22 and 5, a B plus grade. Uh, I'd say as a first time head coach, I'd probably would slide that to like an A minus <laughs> if, if I was if I, there with, with, with Dan Lanning. Uh, Sonny Dykes, TCU, and an A minus, of course, heavily, heavily weighted on year one, get to the national championship game. Joey McGuire at Texas Tech, 15 and 11 overall, a C plus. Uh, Lincoln Riley, nineteen and eight at USA. He's also given a D. So look, guys, th- that that's that's a funny one. That is a funny one. He's given a D, the same as Billy Napier, and he's got a nineteen and eight overall record, <laughs> while Billy Napier has an eleven and fourteen overall record. So you can tell it's heavily weighted on maybe USC failing to meet somewhat expectations. Uh, and Billy Napier trying to dig out of a hole a bit, but uh, both guys given a D, and the record's not even close. Well, I mean, he did have a Heisman Trophy quarterback, and uh, only he's gone nineteen and eight. But there also may be a little bit of ESPN bias towards USC and and Lincoln Riley. I don't know. That seems a little. Yeah, I, mean, I'd probably, yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a D at nineteen and eight. I mean, I don't either. I, I, probably I, I, C. I yeah, mean. there you go. I, I'd say it is disappointing, but I'd probably put it at a C. And they, they they say USC entered the season as the Pac-12 favorite behind reigning Heisman winner Caleb Williams, and the Trojans were viewed as a national title contender. They finished eight and five as Williams regressed, and the defense put on the weekly exhibition of how not to tackle or cover receivers. Now USC enters a new era in the Big Ten with many more questions than answers evidenced by Riley completely and belatedly overhauling his defensive staff. Hey, look at that. Both guys heading into year three and making those changes on defense. 
<laughs> so uh, keeping it going here, Tony Elliott at Virginia 6 and 16, a C minus. Uh, Virginia Tech, Brent Pry, which is a team to watch out for. They give him a B minus. First time head coach really came on at the end of last year. I know people are kind of looking at Virginia Tech to make a big leap next year. Uh, of course, Kalen DeBoer, A plus, 25 and 3 overall at Washington. Uh, and then Jack Dickert at Washington State, 15 and 16 overall with a C grade. So I think somewhat disappointing for me and looking at these, these are all the power five hires, by the way, no, no, no sense in going to the group of five in, in, in the comparison here. But I think what probably stands out the most to me, besides just the overall record and the grade for Billy Napier, are the first-time head coaches that are seemingly doing better than him. You know, he had his experience at Louisiana. You know That was supposed to pay off in at least year two of Florida, going through the trials and the tribulations like he did at Louisiana in year one and letting that pay off at year two. But we didn't see that payoff in year two. But while Mike Elko is with doing things at Duke that hasn't been done in quite some time, you had Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame going 19 and 8. Britt Venables 16 and 10 at Oklahoma. Dan Lanning 22 and 5 at Oregon. I mean, these are first time head coaches. Given we know the SEC is harder, that, 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 that is true, but shouldn't his experience have paid off a little bit more comparing to the first time head coaches who have some did much better than Billy Napier? Absolutely should have. I mean, Not to mention he was supposedly given all the resources. I mean, I'm not sure that that's accurate, but um, yeah, he should have been better. But my thing is, you know, like we we can look at the reasons, and yeah, we know the schedule's hard, and we know it was a young team and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, there are there are first time head coaches out there doing pretty good darn things. Maybe experiences over. I mean, get the pass for the first year, I yeah. guess, because he was kind of thrown into the NIL, yeah. uh, you know, transfer portal. But that, that's that's not an excuse anymore. I mean, every, I mean, you've got the portal, you've got NIL. Like you said, first year coaches are doing it. I mean, this is year three. I mean, if we really want to look at our portal class, it hasn't been. I mean. It wasn't spectacular last year, and it hasn't been spectacular this year. I mean, we'll we'll see how it plays out on the field, but on paper, um, it's pretty pretty average to maybe slightly above average. So, I mean, the recipe's there. I mean, there, there's players out there. I mean, you, you've seen other teams do it, so there's really not not a good excuse that I can think of, other than it's just just him. You know, he's just not cut out for the job. Maybe maybe he proved us all wrong this year, but what we've seen so far, it's not been impressive. I think the crazy part too is if he would have just if Napier wins seven games both years instead of you know five and six, we feel so different. And you can you know one can argue pretty easily that at least two of the games. Um, you could directly blame Napier, whether it's situational game management, play calling, you know, for, for at least a couple of of those losses. So, I mean, just seven, you know, it doesn't mean that we're a top dog again, but seven instead of five and six, we feel way different. I completely agree. You know, it, it, when, you know, the criticism for me comes from Napier, it's not because, look, I expected him to go out there and win an SEC championship. That, that's not it. It's just plain and simple. I think Florida should just be better than what they are. That's really all it boils down to. You know, seven, eight wins in year one and year two, but not even, you know, really not even close uh, to, to that. And uh, the overall record, you know, certainly lends itself. Uh, it, it, I'll, I'll go on ESPN does put Billy Napier on their hot seat, uh, college football coaching hot seat 2024. I mean, the title of the article, guys, for every coach that's on the hot seat, but the title of the article is college football coaching hot seat 2024. Napier needs to win. I mean, so the Florida coach is the one <laughs> headlining the article here uh, by Adam Rittenberg of uh, ESPN, uh, but it does go, they do go on to say, about Billy Napier, the Gators hire of Napier looked strong at the time as they landed a coach who had been very selective about his first Power 5 job after a successful stint at Louisiana. But Napier is just 11-14 and 14 overall, 6-10 and 10 in the SEC. 
and has had challenges with on-field consistency, retaining and attracting top players, and maintaining a strong staff. Florida hasn't had a coach make it through year four since Urban Meyer and might be hesitant about another quick change. The status of athletic director Scott Strickland, who hired Napier, also should be monitored here. But if Napier can't navigate a brutal schedule, Florida State, Miami, and UCF in non-league play, plus SEC trips to Texas and Tennessee and Georgia in Jacksonville, it's hard to see him back in 2025. Billy Napier joins Dave Aranda and Sam Pittman as the only coaches on the list that are on the hot seat. While they do mention keep an eye on Chip Kelly, Clark Lee, Ryan Day, Pat Narduzzi at Pitt, uh, and the retirement watch for Mac Brown, Kyle Whittingham, Kirk Ferentz. Um, as far as Power 5 hot seat talk goes, it's Billy Napier, Sam Pittman, and Dave Aranda from ESPN. And I mean, look, it's it, it, it's hard to... like. I, we, we don't want to talk about it. I mean, don't get me wrong. When Billy Napier was hired, I didn't think we'd find ourselves heading into year three with hot seat talk already. <laughs> That's what blows my mind uh, about some of this as well. I was... Not prepared. I did not want to be here uh, at this time, even entertaining the conversation. Uh, but the, revolt, the results speak for themselves, and hopefully uh, is, is something that when we all look back at the end of 2024, we're kind of laughing and say, hey, remember remember all those preseason articles early in February when Billy Napier beat on the hot seat? Yeah, no more. But um, you know, th- th- there's no – I don't – mean to hound on it, but there's just so much out there about the critical year this is for Billy Napier. Well, I, mean, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was just going to just say it is. I mean, if you just look at the situation, it's, it is a critical year. I mean, the, the only, the only thing I can compare it to is, is Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, he went, he didn't have good records his entire career until this year. You know, at Missouri, and that's the only thing we can hold our hats on is, is hopefully that's what happens. But it's like with some of the portal moves, it's like I'm, I'm kind of like you, you bet you better start developing some guys, or, or it's, this is just what it's going to be. It is time for the big games to so put cash in your wallet with my bookie. My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. You can turn all that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet, Chiefs. 49ers bet on the big game or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournament. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, well, one more big matchup on the gridiron to do so. Sign up at MyBookie, use promo code GATERS and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. One more time, that's promo code GATERS to claim your bonus. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, on that note, and, and we'll turn it a little positive. And I found this today. And you, know, you can find the article at GatorsBreakdown.com of, hey, maybe all this hot seat talk and a talk of a, of, a, of a tough schedule, maybe that can be remedied a bit by the experience Florida brings back and kind of caught my eye um, a bit. I've been kind of waiting for this. And Bill Connolly does some great work there with his SP+. Plus, and it was independent for a while. And ESPN picked it up a few years ago. Um, and he's been you know, really lauded for all his research and his formula that goes into his rankings. And Florida ranks favorably in returning production, returning 68% of their production. That does count transfers uh, as well. And that ranks 32nd out of 134 teams. 
Um, and Connolly goes on to say, on average, teams returning at least 80% of production improved by about 6.4 adjusted points per game in the following season. That's a pretty significant jump. For a team ranked 25th in SP Plus last year, adding 6.4 points to its rating would have bumped it to about 13th. And if we lower the bar to just 70%, that's about where Florida is in returning production, a bar 25 teams currently clear, that's been enough to boost teams by an average of four points since 2014. So Florida hovering around that point there. But uh, if you dig deeper, Florida does rank fourth in the SEC in returning production. Uh, and that's only behind Texas A&M at 18th, Texas at 25th, and Missouri at 31st. Missouri one spot ahead of Florida uh, as far as returning production goes. Of course, Florida has to play Texas A&M and Texas, but um, was a bit surprising to me. Maybe it shouldn't be where Florida has some experience coming back in like Graham Mertz, the offensive line, Montreal Johnson, Trey Wilson on defense. You got Cam Jackson, Jordan Castell bringing in Tyquez Bridges, Asa Turner, Joey Slackman. I mean, there, there are plenty of snaps that this team took last year, whether it be on Florida's roster or not. Uh, but maybe, maybe all this talk of a tough schedule, it's warranted, of course, but maybe there's a way to, I think, best way to explain it in what we're looking at right now, still a couple of wins. Florida, maybe right now, don't look like they should get. How accurate is this? Uh, this Bill Conley, Dave, is, is he? Is he pretty on the mark with with some of his predictions and stuff each year, year in, year out? Um, that that is something I did want to go back and look at. Now, I did just because I was interested. I did pull up last year's. Um, college football teams returning production for 2023 season uh, to kind of get a comparison. And number one last year was Florida State undefeated regular season. Uh, Kansas was number two. Uh, they were, you know, having a pretty good season. In- injuries kind of dealt with them a little bit there. Michigan was number five, going on to win the national championship. Uh, Texas A&M was seven. Missouri was number nine last year, so they fall all the way to 31st this year. Um, you know, so they took advantage. Uh, but like top 10 was Florida State, Kansas, FAU, Wyoming, Michigan, UConn, Texas A&M, Boston College, Missouri, Temple. Um, USC was 14. Um, so probably once you give a day, we're returning a Heisman Trophy winner. And they were the 14th most experienced team in the country. Yeah, you can definitely say that was probably disappointing. Uh, Utah was 16. Um, and look, that was with Cam Rising coming into the season. Never played a down <laughs> last year uh, for, for, for them. Washington was number 22. Um, let's see. Wisconsin was 27 in the new head coach year. Auburn was 28 in the new head coach year. Ole Miss was 30th, by the way. Right around Florida. Florida's 32nd. Ole Miss was 71% uh, returning production. They were around where Florida is now. Speaking of the spot number 32, guess who was in spot number 32 last year? That was one LSU with 71% returning. Uh, and compare that to Florida, as I said, and Florida uh, ranked 68%. So, you know, a couple percentage points in there. You start grouping those teams there. Ole Miss, LSU, Duke was number 33 with 71% as well. Uh, but then you go keep looking on Miami with 70%. Clemson was 69%. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's some pluses and minuses there, but especially at the top, I mean, your two teams that play for the national championship, Washington, Michigan, were up near uh, the, the the top, you know, or the, they were pretty high. Um, when you go and look at it, Washington 22, Michigan number five. Yeah, I, I do think you know, it would probably go through a little bit of a history with it, but, um, you know, maybe do some d- deeper dives into what this could mean for Florida. But uh, all in all, I think it uh, – Put this way, it won't hurt Florida. It can only help. Do they use just thicker by like snaps, uh, snaps played, but for each by each position? Good. Look at. Good question. Uh, I don't think um, I put that in the article because I didn't want to steal all of the content there. <laughs> but I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Like, I got How it. much of uh, I got uh, it. Like we'll, some of these teams. Yeah, we'll discuss. Um, are transferred and how many are yeah. returning starters? You know that kind of makes a difference on returning experience. I mean, I, I get what they're saying. We've got the transfers coming in and he, he's got, you know, however many snaps and that's counted in, but 
these guys haven't all played together on on the team, you know, as one. Yep. yep. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that answered my mind as well. Um, he does say, quite crudely, if a player transfer from one FBS school to another, I mash his production from his previous team into the numerator and denominator for his new team. Um, so if your quarterback leaves and you bring in a transfer who was starting somewhere else, that dampens the overall blow of your quarterback leaving significantly. The example he brings up is FSU, Jordan Travis leaving, but DJ Uyongole coming in. So, you know, the equation it, it doesn't get hit as hard. Um, but he does he does go on for offense current weights. He says there's the current weighting for determining the offensive percentage goes like this. Percentage of wide receiver tight end is 23.5% of the overall number. Uh, returning quarterback passing yards is 24% of the number. Returning offensive line snaps played is 47.5%. Let you know the um, how he values the game of football and how it's being played right now. Percent of returning running back rushing yards is only 5% of his equation on offense. For defense, it is percent of returning tackles at 69.5%. Uh, so it's not just necessarily position by position on defense. It's percent of returning tacklers at 69.5%. Percent of returning passes defended is 12%. That's intercepted or broken up. Percent of returning tackles for loss is 10.5%. And percent of returning sacks goes at 8%. So he goes by position, linebackers make up of about 44% of the defensive formula. Pretty important right there, right? For uh, Florida's recruiting class, getting Pup Howard in, Shamar James returning. Um, so <laughs> he puts a lot of value uh, in the linebacker position. You go back to our conversation with Will last week and what he showed, you know, it's you know more of a defensive backfield heavy uh, as far as what PFF numbers show. You know, it's just one analytic, one way to look at it. Bill Connolly seems to go and really puts a lot of value into the linebacker spot. So good for Florida uh, and, you know, for – Connolly's route of putting a lot of weight on linebackers and what Florida did with getting getting Pop Power and and the, and the true freshman class, and also going to the kind of PFF and weighing what Will was able to plot out last week. Florida getting a whole lot of experience um, you know, on the in, in the defensive backfield. New coaches for both positions, so yeah, fingers crossed. With- so, um, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, uh, so, um, <clears throat> it seems that, uh, with all the, the, uh, the ratings and, you know, the talk or whatever, the hot seat talk, it's pretty much, I guess they pointing it toward the coach only. I mean, not, to, not necessarily the players, uh, I mean, because, you know, from year in and year out, it's, I mean, with the way it, things are, you know, the game has changed, you know, the NIL, everything, and the portal stuff. I mean, it's hard to kind of keep a team together, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, chemistry. Well, I mean, chemistry is, is key, you know. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess, you you know, you look at the Georgias and you look at the big, big teams or whatever and, yeah, they have turnover too, but I mean, a whole lot of them studs is is the ones that stay are the ones that know their job and in jeopardy. So, you know, so those are the guys that gonna play. All right, so uh, that's staying. So, um, you know, uh, so I, I, I'm well. What I'm what I'm trying to get at is, you know, it seems like we, by default we kind of got to hang we got to deal with him because i mean you got to have a quarterback man and and you know uh mertz was a sweet surprise you know um but you know when you look at the overall scheme of things his he's a he's really been a small sample size he's got you know a whole nother set of receivers to try to get with again you know um mine is wilson you know, yep. and uh, and then you got to, you know, um, you got to get the quarterback right. If you want a good team, you got to get the quarterback right, quarterback room right, the trenches right. 
I mean, man, we've been turning over like apple, you know, apple and and cherry <laughs> turnovers, man. It's on that line, on both lines, man. It's like, jeez, man. I mean, who are you gonna? I mean, what can you do? Um, a lot of these good teams have like set two and three classes deep, you know, you know, next man up, you know. So, I mean, them guys ain't leaving, you know, they like, shoot, I've been waiting this long. I'm on, you know, I'm next, you know. So, but that's not what's going on with us. I mean, we just, who's, who's our starting front line? I mean, but that's uh, that, that's the thing there. You know, you know, for if 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 you want to go by the experience part of that, you do have Barber and Slaughter slated to return up there. Maybe Damian George, but at a different position. Maybe he slides inside the mm-hmm. guard. So you could be returning three, uh, and then Crenshaw Dixon comes in, who played a whole lot of snaps. You know, it, like I said, his snaps transfer over. Um, and Manuel from Arkansas, he's played a lot of football. So you know. At least going by how Connolly puts it together, and even though there are transfers, you know there 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 are a lot of snaps that have been played for your main key pieces that we're looking at along the offensive line, and pair that with an experienced Mertz, pair that with an experienced Montreal Johnson. You have Trey Wilson coming back, and but as you said, you got to go past him. What is Florida going to do at receiver? But you can see where the the experience through the transfer portal and all those snaps coming and Mertz, of course, that's going to be weighted heavy at the quarterback spot. Uh, him playing all those years at Wisconsin and playing so much, you know, for Florida last year, except for the FSU game. Um, you can see where, you know, that experience is going to translate for Florida. Right. Well, I'm, I'm kind of, what I'm hoping is uh, in this off season, the defense, the defense is, 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 is prepped the most, you know what I mean? Because yep. I mean, if nothing else, you know that defense is gonna get you, gonna win you the game at the end. If you got a reliable, we lost the game. Uh, can't remember which one it was. They're late. Uh, a game we should, you know, we we sh- probably should have pulled out, but because our defense, we just couldn't hold on. Missouri, you know, it was a high, <laughs> every game high, high scoring <laughs> <Yeah>. game and. <laughs> God dog on that defense just couldn't couldn't hold on, man. And, well, if we want to talk and, about experience, uh, if we want to talk about experience there, and Cam Jackson, I mean, let's go up the middle. Cam Jackson, Shamar James, Jordan Castell. That is a lot of snaps returning from last year. Um, and Cam Jackson's right. played a whole lot. Shamar James has played a whole lot. Castell got a ton of snaps at the true freshman last year. So you hope, I mean, if we're talking about experience, that's what's got to pay off. I mean, look, how many times did we hear it last year, guys? The, the excuse uh, that a lot of people wanted to throw out there. I, you, you guys know me. I wasn't, I, I didn't harp on it too much. Did it play a factor? Yes. Was it the only factor? Was it, you know, was it as big of a factor as some made it to be? Well, that, that was the youth. Well, okay. If you're going to give me that, ex, that excuse from last year, you can't give it to me this year. It's going to have to pay off. These uh-huh. numbers right here show it. And we all saw it with our own eyes last year. All these true freshmen on defense that played snaps. And all right, that's got to pay off in this critical year three where Billy Napier's got to probably have a couple surprise wins uh, in, in, on, on the docket. Some of that's going to have to be because you paid, played those young guys last year. Paired with that experience, I just, you know, you know brought up as well. I mean, all, all that's got to come together this year for that defense to take a step. Right. And, and, and one last thing, and I'll touch for a little bit. Uh, uh, okay. We, so we paying the players, uh, maybe not all of them are getting paid, but, but okay. Now, now where's the part where we hold them accountable? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, cause in, in the past we had guys who were accountable and wasn't getting paid, you know, we could rely on the Earl Everest. We could rely on, you know, uh, you know, as we go along, uh, Jonathan Grenard, and he was a transfer, and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, you know Bullard and all these others, and they weren't getting paid. You know, so um, I mean, I you look around, it's like who's who's your guy? I mean, you got James, okay, we know about James, you know, but uh, you know. It's kind of few and far between. You you can kind of say, okay, this guy is your, you know, your leader. That guy is your main leader. Who's gonna hold other guys accountable? I want to see it. You know, 
more. I mean, now you're getting paid. Now what's up? You know? So that's all. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> with experience comes, yeah, you need you need um you need guys to step up. You you need your leaders. Um, that's probably been somewhat questioned the last few years as well. Uh, where that leadership comes from, who's going to step up and be that voice on the field, off the field when Florida needs it. Uh, hey, look, you got a quarterback returning this year. That should be a big part of that. Uh, Jamar James going into his third year. You think he's one? Cam Jackson should be one. Um, and then you know you bring in a ton of experience through the transfer portal on the back end. So you know, pieces got to fit together pretty fast. But hey, uh, and keep looking at this experience. One more thing, Seth Farnador. I'm glad he, he retweeted it on Twitter. And I want to share it right here. I want to share it right here in the episode. Um, but <clears throat> It was the late going back to 2019 returning production and what it meant for Florida. 2019, Florida brought back 74% of its roster, 77% on offense, 71% on defense. Um, so that we know 2019 ended up with only two losses. Your only two losses were LSU and Georgia that year. Um, go to 2020, 65% of the team returned, 63 on offense, 67 on defense. Um, and you know, went on to play Alabama in the SC championship games, inexcusable losses along the way. Um, the two Texas AM, LSU, uh, the inexcusable performance in the bowl game. Um, but then you know, you lose a lot of those pieces in 2021, that the year Dan Mullen got fired, only returning 54% of the roster, 43% on offense. Of course, you lose Kyle Trask and Tony and Pitts. And 65% in the defense, but the defense, of course, still. Um, because that, 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 uh, that's kind of crazy now looking at these numbers um, and why, and just looking at it and seeing how bad this defense was in 2019, the defense wasn't terrible. And, you know, we, we, going into 2020, what was the narrative about the Florida defense? It was to get better in the big games. Because besides that, they were they were they were, they were okay. They were okay, but not against Georgia, not against LSU. Not many defenses were good against LSU in 2019. But still, that 2019 defense, 71 percent. Then you returned 67 percent in 2020, and the defense falls off of a cliff. Not great in 2021. 65 percent of it returned. 2022, Billy Napier's first year, 64 percent of the defense. Still not great. Still couldn't get better with Patrick Tony coming in. And then last year, of course, 53%. Austin Armstrong comes in. We know all the new pieces. We just talked about all the youth that played last year. But the last two years, guys, Billy Napier's first year, last year for Billy Napier, 2022, his first year, 55% returning. 2023, 54% returning overall. 2024, 68%. So hovering around 55% the last two years, and now we'll jump all the way to 68%. So, you know, we can throw the youth excuse out the window, the experience excuse out the window. There is a schedule that's really tough, but this tells me, all right, maybe, just maybe, you got enough experience to overcome this very, very tough schedule Florida has. Let's hope, let's hope we can get all the experience and get them all playing together. Yeah, but big, big shout out to Seth uh, for, for that comparison. That really uh, helps explain what uh, Florida has been going through ever since uh, the, you know, the, tail, like the to, tail end of Dan Mullen. I would like to know why he uh, devalues the running back experience. Um, I mean, when you broke down the experience, you know, it was how much percentage of it was quarterbacks to receivers and tight ends, and it was only like 5% of the running back. I mean, that doesn't make much sense to me, considering, I mean, all teams still use the running back, still run the ball with the running back, even though I'm going to assume, um, I granted, yeah, I, I, I'm going to assume maybe because it's split up a good bit, you know, not necessarily just one guy. Okay, well, yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah. Th yeah that, that's that makes, just my that guess. Sense. That's just my guess. Um, that yeah. Way. You know, it just seemed like a really awful lot, big difference. You know, it went from twenty five percent for quarterbacks, and receivers to like five percent or whatever it was. You know what? Running backs. It what just, I just said probably does make sense because it says broken out by position slash player. You're looking at roughly twenty four percent for the quarterback. Cause that makes sense. Six percent for each mm -hmm. of four wide receivers or tight ends. Five percent for the running okay, back. Okay. Okay. So there okay. you go. That that probably yeah. that's probably where it comes from. Um. Uh, We'll move past this in just a second, but I, I want to see. I, I want to show you just because 
it's kind of hard to compare recent years and Connolly goes does go on to explain how much the COVID uh, years play into it. Because with each added year of data I have to play with, offensive line snaps become a heavier piece of the equation, which could be interesting in 2024 considering how many teams are starting over up front. Last year, 27 teams returned under 50% of their offensive line snaps from the previous season. This year, 37 teams are 50% or lower. So he's going to start putting more value in returning offensive linemen because there's just going to be less of them. Um, Let's see. Uh, National title game participants, Michigan and Washington, are both under 30%. And a third college football playoff team, Alabama, is under 50%. It's conceivable that when the NCAA granted a bonus year of eligibility for everyone involved in the 2020 COVID season, that impacted offensive line experience significantly in the years that followed. But a lot of those guys have now run out of eligibility, and a lot of otherwise very talented teams are going to be dealing with issues up front. That could be beneficial for teams with excellent defensive fronts, not to mention teams that have bucked the trend and compiled extremely experienced offensive lines, teams like Texas, for instance. Really interesting there. So not us. Not us. Uh, but like a, you, you got Barber, <laughs> Slaughter. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of experience coming back there. Um, George, but how do you value that experience? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, just, I don't know. Like the, and Barber wasn't. I mean, he didn't. Right. Slaughter, I'll say yes. He played pretty pretty good. Barber kind of looked like he took a step back, and I mean, yeah, I think did. that's because he was playing next to an All American, you know, two years ago. So yeah. I mean, I think that they made a huge difference. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, we're still, you know, it's still the weakest part on the, on that side of the ball is the offensive line, which is still shocking to me considering the resources we put towards it. For sure. I mean, this is the year uh, development has to pay off. You know, your Najee Harris's of the world, your Roger Kearney's of the world, I, I think, and this is just my guessing on this, um, this is what the staff is built for, built towards. Um, their, their their ability so, or supposed ability to develop the offensive line, if that is their path, if that's how they chose to go, this is you know we have to see that pay off this year. Uh, all right, guys, putting all this together, uh, one reason I kind of want to go this route, of course, uh, Josh Pate, uh, big fan of a uh, big fan of Pate State here, uh, but his put out his SEC power rankings, and of course that was going to go like wildfire. And Georgia number one, no surprise. Alabama number two, kind of surprised. Heading into the 2024 season, I probably personally would put Texas, given the changes at Alabama. Uh, but no, I mean, no issue with it. Just saying, if Texas was number two, I wouldn't have had any problem with it. Uh, but Pate goes Georgia, Bama, Texas, LSU was number four, Oklahoma number five, number six is Ole Miss, Tennessee is seven. Texas A&M, 8. Auburn comes in at 9. Missouri, 10. South Carolina, 11. Kentucky, 12. Florida, 13th. Arkansas, 14th. Mississippi State, 15th. Vanderbilt, 16th. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to his episode, so you know, apology for, for, for that. Um, but he did say, I value a rolling three-year snapshot of the following. On-field performance, talent acquisition, stability, and resource pool. So he put all those parameters into his snapshot. Um, so on-field performance, talents acquisition, stability, resource pool. Um, so that's why he has Alabama above Texas. Um, that, that, that's, that's to explain it. I still wouldn't have had an issue given where I see the teams going in 2024. I do think Texas could be really good in 24, uh, but that gives you the, 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 the explainer of you know, why LSU is so high and why Ole Miss is below them. Um, Tennessee being number seven. Yeah. Uh, of course, so that's really baked into last year or the year before you know, last, of course, Texas A&M 8. That's the talent acquisition part of it uh, and probably thinks good about Elko as well. Uh, but Auburn at 9, Missouri at 10, South Carolina 11, Kentucky 12, Florida 13. I mean, yeah, I think you can throw all those you know, teams into a blender somewhat and, and come out with any order and be okay with it. But Napier beating Beamer, Two years in a row, I, that's enough for me. And Florida having overall more talent, I don't think it's any question for Florida 
to be above South Carolina. I know South Carolina went on that run last year at, at the end of the year by beating Tennessee and beating South Carolina or uh, Clemson, but I'd still personally have Florida above South Carolina. If you want to put Missouri above Florida, just given what Missouri did last year, given 10 wins, okay. Uh, you, you can I can go there with Florida's last three years not being all that great, but Missouri's hadn't been either until last year. Uh, Auburn, at number nine, I probably would shift him down. I'd probably shift him down below Missouri uh, at, at this point. Kentucky at 12, no issue being in front of Florida there, given <laughs> uh, what was happened there. But, um, you know, Auburn, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky, Florida, Arkansas, you could throw those teams in a blender, but personally, I'd have Florida above uh, South Carolina. Dave, Dave, go ahead. Sorry. So, Dave, you saying it's 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 got it's primarily going to be up to uh, development and you know uh, the players improving to help Billy Napier improve in the right direction. Is that what you're saying? Because I mean, there's a ceiling as far as his ability to coach. It, that's what it looked like to me because it does, he hadn't shown he can outcoach any other coaches. Um, I just really. I, depends. What, I I just think that's what they're banking on. I I think the question is, can he outcoach? Is absolutely warranted from what we've seen the last couple of years. Um, yeah, you can certainly ask that question. Um, but I do think, especially along the offensive line, they are really banking on their development of the guys that they've had in the program the last couple of years. Um, so you know, that's got to pay off now. Granted, you know, we've like with somebody like Trevor Etienne transferring away, you know, that's you know where I was kind of against the so much banging on the we're going to rely on high school recruiting so much and not the transfer portal early on where you can maybe garner some wins and build some camaraderie, build some winning culture in the in the locker room. Look, the culture is better, but there's not a winning culture yet. Uh, now, does the winning culture happen later? I think that's what year three is going to show us, uh, or, or that's what year three is going to have to show us. Uh, but the winning culture, the winning culture, is not there yet. Uh, but I do think that's what they are trying to develop uh, by hitting the high school recruiting, developing from there, and not necessarily hitting the transfer portal hard early on in Billy Napier's tenure. Uh, that's where I think. But you know, part of that is also coaching. And Billy Napier, the development's got to be better in year three. The coaching's got to be better in year three. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So what does um what does uh Will think about uh the Florida recruiting? Does it seem to be turning in our favor? Because we are getting some guys, aren't we? Uh we're getting some guys, but you know, it, it it's not where it needs to be. Um I mean just take a look at this power ranking list here. I mean, you were behind Georgia in talent, Bama in talent, Texas in talent, LSU in talent, Oklahoma in talent. Given combined roster of you know, transfer portal and recruiting, old bit you're behind old Miss right now. You know, Tennessee, Texas A&M is in front of you. Uh, I mean, you're 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 mid level SEC right now in in talent with the acquisitions of Texas and Oklahoma coming into the Big Twelve or coming into the SEC. So uh, it's only getting harder. It's not getting any easier. Man, and we fired Mullen. You know, at least he was good <laughs> with less. You know. <laughs> Uh, does not mean it was the the right move to keep him. In. Two 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 things can be wrong. Uh, I'm hoping that's yeah. not. I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case here. Uh, but uh, move, moving on was the right move. Oops. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, the thing that. Yeah, God, oh me. Yeah, it was a train wreck. <laughs> um, 
But it, it, this way, you know, it, it didn't automatically mean the next hire was going to be the guy. But uh, it was it was time to move on. It was time to move on. Trust me, Dave. The next hire will be the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we, 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 we've put this, you know, we've talked about it ad nauseum on the Discord. I mean, look, most coaching hires don't work out. Just Most of them don't. Just in plain general college football talk, most coaching hires don't work out. Um, I'm hoping, look, and most of them don't start like this and work out. I'm hoping there's, you know, we're bucking the trend here because, look, I don't want to start over. I mean, it is easier for Billy Napier to, Get some wins in year three and then build on that, especially with DJ Lagway at quarterback. That, that's how important he is. That is the easiest path here for Florida. The easiest path is not starting over. Starting over can work. It absolutely can. But as of right now, um, you know, it's not a for sure thing. Somebody's going to come in here, want to come here and you know, rebuild this thing. Makes it easier with the transfer portal in a lot of ways, uh, but still a lot of work to be done. You know, what situation do you leave to come here and rebuild Florida? Um, so the rebuild can be easier because of your access to talent, your pool of talent that you can pull from. Uh, but it's still uh, easier, I think, if Billy Napier is the one that figures this out. Yeah, who's, who's going to come and play for Florida? Like Dan Lane is not leaving Oregon to come here. Not happening. Yeah, it's, it's not a for sure thing anymore. I mean, look, Florida is a great job. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. I don't think that's what anybody's saying. But – there's a lot of good jobs out there. That's the thing. You know, college football has only grown. Um, you know, th- there are there are more jobs out there. There are more good jobs than there's ever been out there because of all the money that is in this sport now. Yeah, it's not like it used to be. I mean, Florida's a good job, like you said, but it's not it's not as prestigious as the job as it used to be. Right. Um, I mean, just because for the reasons you said, you could go to Ole Miss uh, and, and you know with with the good. Good backing, good NIL. You can build a good roster. Um, you know, within a couple of years, you don't have to do it through the high school. Um, so it's just not the same same sport anymore. So it's like you said. I mean, you're right. The, the easiest and, and best path is for Napier to, to for us to win this year and and to keep building on what we've already started. But if that doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. It's not as long of a rebuild, or it shouldn't be as long of a rebuild. In this day of age of college football, with the transfer portal and NIL, I mean, it should be the right coach could re, could get it could get it back up where it needs to be within a couple of years. So has it really has it really hit us yet that uh, the Texas Longhorns have joined our side of the SEC? Um, it won't really. I mean, put it this way: I I, I forgot they were. I, I didn't forget they were in the SEC this morning. But at, when I was putting that list together of the returning production, at first I said, "Hey, Florida's third in the SEC in returning production," because I didn't count Texas. <laughs> so I had to go. I had to go back and look at it. So it's still going to take some getting used to. Uh, but yeah, it, it's there. Um, but it's really going to hit home when they are playing the way they played Georgia this year. They play Florida this year. Um. You know, it's 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 when when we see the Red River shootout, we'll still go call it that because I don't have to be politically correct here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, the Red River shootout. I mean, there's going to be SEC logos in the Cotton Bowl instead of Big Twelve logos. Uh, so that's going to be you know that that it it really hit home then. But you know, Oklahoma as well. I mean, I think they play Alabama uh, th- this coming up year. So I mean, I, I'm looking forward to to to, to all the good games you're going to get by adding. Um, that those two prestigious programs. I think the thing I'm looking for the most is that we, I hope we do get better because um, if that kid doesn't transfer out from Texas, we got a uh, lagway versus uh, Arch Manning <laughs> every year. So I think that'd be pretty cool to see. Well, I think the way they're setting it up, we should play. Of course, we are playing Texas this year. We should play Oklahoma the next year, and that game should be in the swamp. Um, I think that was. Oh, what, I see. Yeah, I think that's what they were trying to figure out. If uh, if you hosted one team, if 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 you went to if you go to Texas this year, I think you host Oklahoma the next year. I think that's what they were trying to figure it out. Um, so we'll see. Uh, the, even even twenty twenty five schedule is not really set in stone by any means yet. So. As we're as we're seeing, we're hearing all the talk of 
you know, SEC and Big Ten getting involved in the NCAA stuff and Big Ten and the SEC not agreeing to any kind of college football playoff format past this first year of the 12 teams. So, man, I mean, there's a lot. So we're not, <laughs> the status. So we're not playing Texas every year. No, not, as of now, we're not. But but oh, okay. but we could be. Uh, we'll see what the 2025 schedule holds and if that's going to be what they do for in the future. Nobody knows it's going to be eight games or nine games, but uh, I mean, you're not going to play every team every year anyway. Uh, so we'll see. Right, that's true. So we'll see. We could have our own league in uh, 20, 2025. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who, who knows where this thing's going? Uh, yeah, it's the, definitely changing. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll get off big picture here. A lot of good, big, good, pic- good, big picture talk. Let me spit that out there. Um, anything, uh, you guys? I hope you enjoyed the Trey on Web interview. Uh, he was really forthcoming uh, there. Glad to get a fellow Jacksonville guy, nine hundred four, right here on Gators Breakdown. Uh, but anything, uh, of course, strength and conditioning was brought up. The transfer of ETN to Georgia was brought up. Uh, of course, it's been out there for a few days. Hope you guys have. Caught it by now. If you haven't, go listen to it. Uh, some articles up there at GatorsBreakdown.com as well. Uh, but what uh, what would you guys take away from, from from Webb and what he had to say? I mean, I, I really enjoyed, uh, no matter where Tra- Trayvon Webb interviews, he just seems like a very, very like smart individual. It's like, if he doesn't make it like in football, like he's, I mean, I could see him working on Wall Street or something. Like he just seems like a sharp kid. That is one thing I'll give Billy Napier a lot of credit for. Um, you know, I, and then maybe it's because I get more access than I ever were able to get. Uh, but I'm around these you know, players a good bit more than I than in the past, and I certainly look. It all mean you know wins are the only thing that matters in the end. But I can honestly say, you know, being around a lot of these kids uh, the last couple of years, I will say Billy Napier has really brought in. Uh, top-notch kids. You know, we don't, there's not a lot of off-field troubles and a lot of arrests on this team. Um, I'm hoping that translates in, into more wins uh, for for Billy Napier and, and these players that he's recruited. But I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of good people uh, in the program, and you know, these kids on the team. Yeah, he seems like a really good kid. Um, and, you know, we, we could use a couple of arrests. You know, we were, we were, we, were, we had some arrests <laughs> on the team. We were winning football games, you know. So, we, I mean, one or two here, there, you know, speeding ticket, you know, yeah, it's just something. I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, I, I was really uh, glad to hear him talk about the strength and conditioning, the differences there. I mean, I hope it pays off. Kind of makes you question why it wasn't like that to begin with. But, you know, it's neither here nor there. Well, I mean, you live and learn, but uh, no, yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to shove past that. I mean, we know from what we were told in here on the Discord that the exit interviews were not going too well as far as strength and conditioning goes, and then a change was eventually made. And of course, there was some talk about would the move allow would be allowed to be made or moving on from hockey and bringing in somebody else where you know Fitz is. Fitzgerald's coming in now and seems to be a lot more physical. Seems to be, you know, building up these guys as far as, you know, strength and, I mean, and muscle goes. Of course, there's a fine balance between that and, and, and keeping speed and keeping that aspect of it. You know, it's not all just strength and power is what you, what you need uh, in a college football strength and conditioning program. Uh, there's a lot that goes behind it, but certainly seemed like it just was not well-reviewed uh, coming out of Billy Napier's second year. Change need to be made. We got our change and, Hopefully, um, now I don't know how fast it can pay off. You know, these these things, uh, you know, can take some time. Uh, but hopefully, you know, it's uh, it, it's something that pays dividends pretty young for Billy Napier. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's the heart and soul of a football team. And that's the coach that pretty much just spends the most time with the players, especially during over the summer. So, and it pretty much uh, where it all begins. I'm hoping, um, you know, recording this on a Monday evening. I'll put it out as soon as I can. Uh, I'm hoping we, 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 I'm hoping we get Napier this week. I wasn't told uh, here on this Monday. You know, the regular February signing day is this week, believe it or not. Uh, but there's nothing really happening. You know, on Wednesday for Florida, but Florida's had some transfer portal acquisitions. You've had DeAndre Robinson, of course, come into to the fold for Florida's class. You've had some coaching hires. So I'm hoping 
uh, that we do get Billy Napier on Wednesday or, or sorry, at some point this week, uh, put out some, some questions and hopefully, uh, hopefully that's going to happen. But, uh, you guys will know for sure uh, when, when it does, but hopefully we get to hear, you know, from the headman himself about uh, the acquisitions on the roster and some of these coaching changes. Wow. National signing day this week. I didn't even, wasn't even thinking about it. That right <laughs> just shows you, we don't need two signing days. <laughs> for, it's all great. It all got wrapped up earlier. Yeah. Cause I mean, Wednesday is going to be uneventful, but like I said, it's, it's really just kind of reviewing everything that's happened since early signing day. National signing day used to be an event, you know, I mean, I used to take off work, you know, yeah. all day. I mean, it's just not the same anymore. Wow. No, okay. but yeah, besides, you know, the Florida memories, I mean, my best memory is I was doing my internship at ESPNU uh, in 2006, and that was right after they launched. Uh, and 2006 was the first time they had did their all-day signing show. So, of course, for me being there, that's when the, that's the Tim Tebow and the Percy Harvin class and the Brandon yeah. Spice class. Yeah, so, you know, that was a lot of fun being able to, to cover uh, in their first all-day um signing show and i had to even you know correct them on things they had the you know their bottom line ticker and they were you know had florida and they were like key departures and it was like dallas baker was on the departure i was like no 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 no. dallas baker's coming back next year he's gonna be on this 06 team <laughs> uh so you know, get, get them even even correcting some stuff like that it was but you know being able to you know, talk to very i had a short conversation with charlie wise that that, that time getting him ready for an interview uh, you know, th- th- through a satellite and other other players and and um, coaches as well. But uh, that's one of my favorite memories of a February signing day. Uh, meeting Tom Luganbill and you know, having conversations with him, and it was just a a good fun time. But well, yeah, this this de- December signing day has kind of ruined what was special at one time in February. Yep, they just need to uh, have one signing day. I saw somebody put out a, I saw somebody put out an article or something before I hit record on here, and it was they talked to anonymous Power Five coaches about some change the changes they want to see in college football. Um, I'm gonna have to find it if I can. But um, I'm sure that list is long. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll keep that conversation going in the in the Discord in in text form. Um, but uh, I got I got to see if I can find that. I meant to keep it, but then I put up some other stuff in the episode that I wasn't that I didn't plan to. I got to see if I can find that now. Well, while we're waiting, Dave, where 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 was everybody in the Discord at, yourself included, Dave, when when Tim Tebow committed to the Gators? Um, I was at home just watching. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, now it was cool. His first fall in Gainesville. Um, Florida had their media day and I had just started my job at channel four here in Jacksonville. Um, and my, one of my first big moments for, helping out covering Florida and stuff was media day that year. I'd only been in a job for like two months right out of college. Uh, and then front page of the St. Augustine newspaper, there's Tim Tebow and there's me putting, putting a, a, a microphone on him. <laughs> so uh, my wife's family lives in St. Augustine. So they, uh, they got it. They clipped it and saved it and, and, and sent it to me. But uh, there's a big picture of uh, front page of St. Augustine of me mocking up Tim Tebow. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We we had like a uh, I was in I'm, I'm the same age as Tebow so so uh, when I was in high school we we, we had like a, a news come on you know where they would do like a newscast or whatever and like they had like you know they had they played like Tebow's commitment like on the uh, on like the news or whatever for like the school news and it's like I, I'm in a classroom full of Florida State fans and like when he commits like that you know I'm like going crazy in there and like all the Florida State fans are getting pissed it was just. It was just a fist pumping moment. Hopefully, Lagway is something close to that. Oh God, I hope so. I I can't find that, but like I said, we'll talk. We'll talk in the in the uh, in the Discord about it. But uh, I'll see. Uh, I'm sure they want to move the signing day. 
they're more easier. They probably want to change the transfer portal period. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's along those lines. For sure, for sure. But I Kiffin has gone on. He already mentioned <laughs> about the transfer portal being during the season. Yeah. So. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, hopping on, uh, doing this other chat right here. And we'll put this one out for everybody. Uh, but everybody, thanks for uh, hopping on, taking part in this chat, being Gators Breakdown Plus members. If you aren't yet, the link is in the description to join. You can hop in for conversations like this, and we'll keep it going in text form on the Discord uh, text chats as well. But everybody, thanks so much for hopping on this episode of Gators Breakdown. And uh, follow me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC. And check you out on the next episode. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators.